seems like we always hear, uh, we always hear the negative stories. Uh, you always hear about, uh, you know, the pastor who uh, fell, uh, the preacher who quit, uh, the church that was uh, racked with controversy. We always hear the negative stories, don't we? Uh, but I want to tell you this morning, there are uh, way more, way more stories of faithfulness, godliness, holiness. I was thinking about uh, this morning, uh, thinking of back many years ago, I had uh, the privilege of attending our denominational college in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, while I was there, I, I got to uh, sit in classrooms with uh, uh, some incredibly wonderful, godly uh, men and women. Uh, names like Four Lines and Outlaw and Piccarilli, uh, Miley. Uh, giants uh, of our denomination of theology in general. But I also got to go to school uh, with some really dynamic people, uh, really dynamic people. Uh, some of those people ha are, are becoming leaders in our denomination uh, right now. We're, we're all kind of getting to that age. Uh, people like Eric Thompson, who's the head of our uh, denominational magazine. I, I think of John Weaver, I, uh, Chris Truitt, uh, Kenny, S Ken, I should say Ken Sisman, uh, 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 Simpson, uh, doesn't go by Kenny anymore. Uh, but uh, I also had the privilege of knowing the Edgemans. Actually, before you all were the Edgemans, uh, I met uh, I met Anthony. We were we were students in Lee. We were students at uh, at the college about the same time, and uh, there was never any doubt in my mind. Uh, that uh, Anthony uh, was going to uh, be a leader uh, in our denomination and through missions. Uh, when we talk about um, uh, stories of godliness and, and long-term success, uh, the, name the names Anthony and Lee Edgman quickly come to mind. Uh, these are two wonderful, I don't have to tell you any of this, you all know, they're, they're like family around here. But uh, these, are, these are two wonderful uh, people who have, uh, have dedicated their lives to sharing the gospel uh, with the people of Spain. They're here this morning to share an update with us about uh, the work that they're doing. Anthony's also going to open the word and share with us there this morning from God's word. So I want you to settle back and I want you to just open your heart and your mind uh, to what God would say to you today. Uh, when Anthony uh, is finished today, we're going to receive an offering uh, of support. I asked you last week and I ask you again today uh, to prayerfully consider a one-time or even a, a recurring gift to their ministry to ensure that they are funded and able to go and concern themselves with one thing, and that is preaching the gospel to the people of Spain. All right, let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to have uh, the Edgemans with us this morning. Thankful, Lord, for your faithfulness to them through the years. Uh, for well over 20 years, uh, they have uh, they faithfully ministered. God, you have blessed them richly. I pray that you would continue to bless them and use them. As they share with us today, I pray that you would give us a vision for what they're doing. I'm thankful for 
the, the giving hearts of your people. And so when the opportunity comes, I pray that we'll give with great generosity to the work that you're doing through them for the people of Spain and for the, for the glory of the gospel throughout the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Anthony and Lee Edgman. It's always a pleasure to come back to Plano. It's uh, been quite a few times we've been here now. And I was thinking, you know, probably the person that I know the longest that's here is Brother Ken. And not that he's been around that, that long. Uh, you know, I mean, he really has a young heart. Uh, I always enjoy being around Brother Ken. Uh, he'll always bring a smile to your face. I'm thankful for that. And we're thankful for you guys. And this is a, a church, actually, that I kind of saw begin. I was a young man, a teenager. Uh, we were up in, uh, we lived in Denison, Texas. And so we kind of, our youth group uh, in our church who came, and we helped to do a couple of uh uh, well, we sang and we did some different things to kind of help the church as it was beginning uh, in its early phases. And so it's really neat to see what the Lord has done uh, through these many years and up to this point. And it's great to be able to be here now as an older person. Uh, and uh, so it's really great to be back here in this part of the world. Uh, can you believe 25 years now? We've been in Spain. It is, it's really hard for us to imagine that it's been that long. Um, we've seen so many things happen uh, during that period of time. And, you know, as is true any, with anyone, you have some difficulties that you go through. Uh, there are some losses. There are some, also some joys and some moments of celebration. And uh, we want to kind of celebrate with you today. Uh, we want to celebrate what we feel God has been doing uh, through the work there that we've been involved in. And you have been a part of uh, for, for a good number of years along with us. And so we want to thank you for that. Let's go to the next slide here. Give you a little quick update on our family. Um, our daughter just got married in December. Wow. Man. I mean, it's hard for me to believe that we've been in Spain for 25 years. It's hard for me to believe that I have a daughter who's now married. Uh, she just got married. Uh, she's actually in her last semester of college uh, right now. Uh, her husband, he graduated last May. Uh, he's already, he's working there at the college and already working on his master's degree at the same time. Uh, both of them are looking in the psychology field. Um, our daughter looking at uh, equine therapy, uh, so she's excited about that and has had some really good experiences with some uh, practicum and inter uh, internship uh, opportunities. Our son, Mark, little fella, he's only six foot five and wears a size 15 shoe, but you know, he's still our baby. Um, He's a sophomore currently at Welch College, and he's studying to be a music teacher. 
Uh, he also has is working on a minor in missions, and he wants to come back to Spain, and he wants to teach music in the Christian school that he and his sister were a part of in their high school years, and help some of our churches. And so we're really excited about that. And uh, so there's a quick little update on our on our youngins. I didn't mention our son-in-law. Uh, I don't want to forget him. Uh, he's part of the family now too. Nick, uh, he married our daughter. And uh, so we're great, glad to have him with us. Let's go to the next slide here. So I want to kind of give you a little overview of kind of where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. I'll be really quick, though. So you've got the country of Spain, and right in the middle, you can kind of see the province of Madrid in that lower corner down there. You can see that. And then we zoom in to the area of Madrid where we are. That's the larger picture. So the town that's circled in red is Collado de Alba. That's where we began. Uh, we were helping a team of missionaries uh, in a church there that was already established but had gone through some difficult times and asked missionaries to come back and help them continue on. We were there getting our feet wet, learning the language, learning about ministering in the country of Spain. After a few years there, then we felt God was leading us to plant a new church in a nearby town along with our teammates Tim and Christy Johnson at that time. And uh, we served with them for 23 years. Uh, they're now back here in the States uh, working at uh, Welch College and in the offices of our mission agency. And uh, we began a church in the town of Alpedrete with about 15,000 people. And uh, Brother Danny has had the opportunity to come and visit us there and kind of see the town. And uh, so we began the church there in Actually, today is that our church's anniversary. So we started in 2006, the first Sunday of February. And so we're thank, we thank the Lord for uh, how he's been working. Uh, and we were really encouraged that recently I was having a meeting with some of our, our church board there over Zoom. And several of them because this is the first time that we've been away for so long, and they've had no missionary help. We're, we're going to be in the, in the country here in, in the States for 10 months total, and so they've never been that long without any missionaries being there. Um, and they told me, and every one of them said this, I, I, but it really made my heart glad. They said, you know, things are going surprisingly well. Oh, but we do miss you guys. Uh, but we are thankful for uh, maturity that we're seeing in the church there. And actually, that is uh, kind of leading us to the next phase. And so we're looking now uh, in the near future, beginning a new church plant in another town. Brother Danny actually got to watch some bulls run through the town uh, in this one where we're going, uh, that we're looking at uh, planting a new work in Moral Sartal. A lot of times we just call it Moral. It's easier to say. Um, so that's kind of where we are, where we've been, uh, and where we're uh, headed. So let's go to the next slide. So part of the reason that we're so passionate about uh, starting churches in these small towns is because so many of them have had zero uh, gospel preaching churches. So we're not talking about denominational lines or things like that. We're talking about any church that would tell you that Jesus Christ is the only way that you can have a relationship with God. So um, we're thankful that we get to be a part of being a part of, of spreading that news. 
Um, and as you can see here, we've got some of our statistics behind us. Um, it's very needed in this country. Um, in a country where only 1% of the population um, knows that truth, that Jesus is the only way to God, um, it really affects everything. Um, it affects your day-to-day -day interaction with people. It affects politics. It affects education. It affects everything. So um, it's something that we pray about because we live with it um, day by day. But another thing that uh, is important is that Spain really, uh, you know, as we've been driving across Texas, we've seen towns and towns and towns, and then you get to Dallas and, you know, <laughs> it's a big city, but you see lots of little towns, right? And uh, Spain is really a country that is actually about the size of Texas geographically, um, but it's a country that's made up of a lot of small towns. And when we went to Spain uh, 25 years ago, only 600 of the 8,000 towns in the country of Spain had a gospel-preaching church. Now, 25 years later, that number is up to 1,000, which is great news. And we praise the Lord for how his gospel is expanding in Spain. Yes. But unfortunately, that means there are still over 7,000 towns without that witness. And so that's really our heartbeat. That's what we would like to see um, change, and change in a radical way in the country of Spain. Um, and another thing that's changed a lot, and 25 years ago when we went to Spain, if you, when they took uh, surveys about what's your religious preference, people would say, 98% of the people would say they were Roman Catholic. Now, did they actually attend services? Were they actually following the teachings? Maybe not so much, but they would at least say it. Now, when they do the same uh, statistics, the same survey, 40% in general of the population will tell you that they are atheist or agnostic. But now, if you go to the 18 to 35-year-olds, that fundamental time in life, right, where you're getting married and starting your family and setting all the foundations for your future, 60% of those people will tell you that they are atheist or agnostic. So there is a great, great need in the country of Spain for the light of the gospel. And we are so thankful that we get to be a part of sharing the truth of who Jesus is. Let's go to the next slide here. So um, when you look at all of those statistics, you know, you could get a little overwhelmed and you could say, okay, this is impossible, right? This is a little bit like, like Don Quixote fighting those giants, right? <laughs> it's like the, the odds are against us here. Until things happen like... Uh, what happened to us just about a year and a half ago, uh, a couple walked into our church building one day, and they walked in, and they said, hi, uh, my name is Jose Luis, and my this is my wife, and we've never been in a Protestant church before. And we said, great, come in, welcome, have a seat, <laughs> make yourselves comfortable. So they came, and they sat down, they stayed through the entire service, which that was already a bonus. Sometimes people kind of sneak out the back door before we finish. Um, but they stayed through the entire service, and when it was over, they came up and they said, that was wonderful. I mean, we, we understood the way you were explaining what the Bible said. Everything made so much sense. You know, we have three children, but we didn't bring them today because we weren't sure if you guys were weird. You know, And that's fair, right? That's fair. <laughs> we're definitely the minority, so it's fair for them to think we could be weird. And they said, but we're bringing them next week. So the next week they came with two college-age daughters and their middle school-age son, and they continued attending the church until one Sunday after church, they stopped and talked to us again, and they said, could you come to our house? We'd like to have a conversation with you. We want you to explain to us what it means to be born again. 
Now, 25 years in Spain, do you know how many Spaniards have walked in off the street and said, could you explain to me what it means to be born again? <laughs> Not very many, unfortunately. But we praise the Lord that it is happening. There are still people searching for him. And they are still people that have those questions and those doubts. And they want to know what there is beyond the things that they've always been taught. So we praise the Lord that uh, this past summer, uh, in June, we were able to see the baptism of this wonderful couple who you can see right here. This was Anthony's first opportunity to baptize a married couple, both on the same day. And um, it was a very joyous occasion, as you can imagine, for our congregation. Yes. Amen. Let's go on to the next slide. So just kind of, this is kind of more related to a prayer request. I kind of let you know where we're headed when we go back. Um, so there, we have two main objectives when we go back to Spain. And one of those is to help strengthen, that's, that's the wait lister there, strengthen the Alpadrete Church, to help them be prepared to carry on the work of the, the ministry and the church there in Alpadrete with only local leadership, no missionary leaders. Um, that is one of our objectives when we go back. The second objective, main objective that we have is to start, as the, the, the flags there for the races, uh, is to start a new church plant. And we've already been trying to lay the groundwork for some of that through some uh, different activities that we've done in this town. And some, even our church has done a few uh, evangelistic events there in the town. And so we're very, uh, we're looking forward to see what God has to do, but also looking to his leadership and the timing of everything. And so we really would ask that you pray with us about both of those things. Uh, let's go on to the last slide here. So a lot of things have changed in 25 years. That's our rookie card up there. <laughs> that's what we looked like when we went to Spain 25 years ago. And uh, that's our most recent prayer card, which we have out on the table out in the back. So we'd love for you to pick one of those up. Um, take it home, put it on your mirror, on your refrigerator, wherever you're going to see it. On the back of it are prayer requests that you can be remembering in prayer, um, those of you that would be willing to partner with us in prayer. And on the back there are also our um, email addresses if you'd like to get in touch with us anytime, get an update. Uh, we'd love to share that with you. We also back there, we have a card uh, that you can fill out if you'd like to receive our email updates. Um, maybe you'd like to hear more every month about what's going on uh, in Spain. Well, you can give us your email address, and we'll add you right into that list, and you'll get it right into your inbox. So we would love to do that. Yes, so also we have the QR codes. You know, nowadays everybody's got their QR codes. Uh, so we have a QR code here that will take you to uh, our page on the missions website, and there you can read more information about us, but there's also places where you can sign up electronically if you don't want to fill it out with a pen and uh, paper. You can fill it out electronically, do that. Uh, there's also a section there about giving. Now, we kind of shared with you some about where we've been and where we're headed. And you guys have already been a part of the ministry there in the country of Spain, helping us plant the church in Alpadrete. And, you know, really take the next steps to another church plant. Uh, we need your help. Uh, we need your help, especially in two different ways, one of those being prayer. Uh, we need you to pray with us. So that's a good way for you to keep up with prayer needs and those kinds of things. To know what's going on is to sign up for those emails. Uh, and you can also, that we have a few, uh, we have a Facebook uh, group. It's a closed group, so we have to add you. So, But you could ask us to add you to it. Um, 
Then also another way is giving. Uh, we definitely need uh, partners in uh, giving as well uh, because that is really how, er, well, throughout our ministry, uh, a lot through, you know, especially now 25 years, there's some turnover there. We, there's some support that uh, drops off, some that wanes, just different circumstances. And so we, a lot of times, will have to kind of get a little bit of additional support. And so we're currently in the States right now, and uh, we need uh, more people to partner with us to help us take these next steps to plant a new church. Uh, so we'd love to have you guys continue to be a part of that. Uh, so we just challenge you to, to think about how you're going to partner with us. You're going to pray with us. Maybe you can give, and uh, there's some opportunities there. You can do, sign up electronically to give one time or even on a monthly basis. Uh, if you have more questions about that, feel free to ask us after the service. We're going to look to God's Word now. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 2, or chapter 1, excuse me. 2 Timothy chapter 1. You know, here we've been talking about the Alpadrete Church. And uh, I think a lot of times we talk about it kind of like, uh, kind of like we do about our kids. Uh, I mean, we saw this church being born. Uh, we've been a part of, you know, raising this church, uh, developing uh, and walking with the church through lots of different experiences in your walk. And, you know, when we're, when we are proud uh, of our kids, we talk about them. We show pictures. You know, we like to, to show, hey, look, this is, my, this is my little boy here. He's, you know, he's bigger than I am now. But, uh, and look what he's doing. Or look, look what our daughter's doing now. And, you, you know, you just like to talk about them uh, because you're proud of them. And we also, I think, we ought to be doing that about our Lord, our Father. We should be talking about our Father. But I'm afraid that if you just look at the, our actions, sometimes it, it may appear that we're ashamed of our Father. And I think that Paul here, uh, in, as he writes this letter to Timothy, a young uh, pastor, uh, a young leader there in the church, maybe he, it seems like he senses that there's some things that maybe could be also a kind of a similar situation as we may find ourselves. It may appear that we're ashamed. Now, if we think about Timothy, maybe there's some of these like different circumstances that we can relate to. You know, maybe Timothy, he's young. You know, sometimes when we're young, we're like, well, I mean, I'm just a young person. I mean, what can I say? Um, you know, maybe we're not eloquent. I mean, you know, Timothy, he had, I mean, look at Paul. I mean, I'm not like Paul. Or, you know, I don't have experience. And so you're, you're hesitant to share. Maybe those are some of the kinds of excuses or things that go in through our mind. We think back. Uh, to this time period, and maybe there's another factor that contributed to it. Uh, you know, this is kind of still the early times of the primitive church. The church is still basically kind of in its baby steps phase. And we're seeing that it's growing and it's extending throughout uh, that part of the world especially. Um, but there were few believers. You know, sometimes we feel like we're alone 
or there's not many of us, maybe sometimes that's like we are hesitant to speak up because we're not part of the majority or the the big voices that are out there sharing. But another thing about that time period we can see is that there was an emperor in charge in Rome who was persecuting the Christian church. And so it may be that some kept their mouths quiet because they were afraid of persecution. So there's all of these things, and I think all of those different kinds of things are kind of normal things. Normal thoughts that we may have or things that we may feel. But I think that Paul addresses these things in this chapter. And I think he's got a message for us today as well as he did for Timothy. So we're going to look here now uh, and we're going to read the fir- this first chapter beginning in verse 3. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher which is why I suffer as I do but I am not ashamed For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So as we look at this, these verses here from this first chapter, I think that there is a, a message here, an overarching message that says, don't be ashamed of the gospel. And I think that we can see basically three different reasons why we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. First of all, because Paul, as he's speaking to Timothy here, he says, you have a friend who prays for you regularly. Now, we can see here in verse 3 that Paul is telling Timothy that he thinks often about him. 
that he prays for him regularly. Now, I don't know if you have had this experience, but I am privileged to have had the experience and continue to have the experience that I know that there's a lot of people praying for me. And you know what? That is a huge help for me. It lifts my spirits. It gives me a little more boldness to stand up. You know, I'm not alone. I've got people who've got my back who are praying for me. When I think about this, it kind of brings to, to mind an image that many of us are familiar with. We may not know the passage, but uh, we can see, uh, we can remember that uh, time when Joshua is out on the battlefield fighting against the Amalekites. And Moses and Aaron and her go up on the hilltop. They're looking out on the people that are on the battlefield, and they're waging war uh, against the Amalekites. And Moses is up there, and he's holding his hands up. And as long as his hands are up, the Israelites are winning the battle. But you know, as is normal, physically he begins to get tired, and his arms begin to go down, and... The Amalekites at that time start kind of regaining some ground, fighting them off. And we can see that they're kind of getting the upper hand. So here come Aaron and her alongside Moses, and they help hold his arms up. And by the end of the day, the Israelites win the battle. You know, we need more people supporting fellow believers in prayer as Moses and Aaron and her did. Because when we are lifting our hands and our voices in prayer for God's people, he gives them strength. He helps them in their battles. We need to remember, we don't need to be ashamed of the gospel because we have a friend or friends who are praying regularly for us. But I think Paul also points out a second reason here. Also because you have a friend who cares deeply for you. Now in this first letter we can see that Paul calls Timothy a true son in the faith. And now in 2 Timothy he goes even a little further and he calls him a beloved son. So in verse 4 he's speaking about how he longs to be with him. To be present with him and to express there in person his affection for his son and brother in Christ. You know, I think this is another thing that really ought to be more a part of our Christian walk. Our brothers and sisters in Christ expressing love and appreciation one for another. You know, when someone tells me that they love me and they appreciate me, you know, that puts a little kick in my step. You know, it lifts my spirits. And it helps me. You know, we got, we've got a lot of things that are weighing us down. 
A lot of things fighting against us. And when we have that affection that's expressed to us from our brothers and sisters in Christ, it really and truly is a help. When we receive that, we, well, we know because we're part of something bigger. We have a brotherhood. It's a sign of solidarity. You know, unfortunately, there are going to be some tough times for all of us. And there are some so-called friends who abandon us. And Paul even mentions here in verse 15 somebody who did just that. But he also gives a positive example in the family of Onesiphorus, who encouraged him and was not ashamed of Paul's chains even. He wasn't ashamed that his brother was in prison for the sake of the gospel, but he, he continued to express his love and appreciation for Paul. Can you imagine what it would be like if we truly loved each other and expressed that love one for another? What would we as the body of Christ be able to do? Don't be ashamed of the gospel. You have a friend who dearly loves you. And then thirdly, another reason, Paul reminds us that we have a father who gives abundantly to us. Boy, if we could count the ways. We're going to look here. I'm going to try to do quickly here. A few of those things, five things that I see that we can see in this passage, actually, that the ways that God has abundantly blessed us and given us. First of all, he's given us a people. He's given us a people. The truth is that the home is the ideal place to learn of God's word. Our parents and grandparents even have a wonderful opportunity and a tremendous responsibility to teach the generations younger than them about the Word of God. And Paul reminds Timothy here of his grandmother and his mother who taught him the Scriptures. That's an example for us. But you know... Even more than that biological family that we have, we have a people right here, the family of God. If I have any difficulty, if I have a need, when I'm sad, or when I have something to celebrate, I know that I have a people. I know that I have a family in Christ Jesus. And what a blessing that is. Because we have a people. But we can also see here that God blesses us abundantly with passion. Verse 6 speaks about stirring up the gift of God. I see that stirring up as referring to passion. You know, we have passion about something that gives us new energy 
and a new fervor about that thing. You know, sometimes people go about doing righteous things because it's the obligation. But you know, when you have a passion, you don't do things just because it's the right thing to do. It's you do it because you love your heavenly father. And I think that you can see a difference in the attitude and just everything about it. When we really have that passion that we're, we do the things because we love the Lord. We have a passion for him. Jesus talks in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36, and he's looking out, along, out uh, across Jerusalem, and he makes a statement here about people who are wandering around as sheep that have no shepherd. They're burdened. They're helpless. And, that, you know, I think there's a lot of people in our world today that are that. They're wandering around. You know, I mean, you look out in the fields and you see sheep. You know, you very seldom see them with their heads up. They're almost always got their heads down. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people in our world today that that's how they're going through life. They're just wandering around, just, you know, taking in what's right in front of their faces and not really seeing the big picture. They're not feeling the love of God. Believers, we don't need to be like that. We need to have a passion because we've got a father who gave his life for us. It needs to show on our face. It needs to show in our actions. We ought to have a passion. And God gives us that passion because he gives us new life. But also, God gives us abundantly another thing that is power. Verse 7, we see that God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power. Of love and a sound mind. That power, of course, comes from the Holy Spirit. He dwells in us. He enables us to do what God has called us to do. When he speaks to us about being, uh, he, he, that we are part of the vine, uh, he says that apart from me you can do nothing. Because the power is in being connected to him. We need to make sure we're connected to him because that's where we're going to have power. That's where we're going to have life. The truth is he enables us even to endure what we thought we couldn't endure. And even to do things that we thought we couldn't do. That's what his power does for us. He blesses us abundantly with power and i am so thankful for this next thing because he also blesses us abundantly with pardon i'm not carrying around guilt anymore because 
I have been forgiven. He has cleansed me from my sin as I have confessed them to Jesus Christ. Salvation is the forgiveness of sins and the punishment that comes with them in eternity. You know, we had this last uh, calendar year in Al Padrete, we had a marriage workshop. We had six different sessions that we kind of spread out over a period of months. I remember one of those sessions, we focused on forgiveness. It's an important thing in a marital relationship. But, you know, it reminded us of a truth about forgiveness. That forgiveness is liberating. It's liberating, folks. Let God bring forgiveness to your heart and get rid of that heavy weight. Get rid of that bitterness. Get rid of those chains. Let him bring forgiveness to your life that invigorates your soul and liberates you. He brings us tremendous pardon. But you know it came with a price. He gave his life so that we could have forgiveness. He has also given us purpose. Verse 9 reminds us that God called us not according to our works, but according to his purpose. God gives purpose to our lives. It's not just mere existence, but everything makes sense when we receive God and when we, we live for him. He gives meaning and purpose in our lives. When we find that purpose, we begin to see those things in our, our everyday life, things that happen, and we can sense that, you know, God's got a purpose in this. He has given us purpose. We don't have to be ashamed of the gospel. God has given us so much. And even Paul, who's spending his last days in prison, says that it's all been worth it. Because I know whom I have believed. And I'm confident that he's going to see me through. We don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. So if we don't, if we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel, what do we need to do in a positive aspect? I'm going to mention quickly three things. First of all, I'm going to use a word from the old King James here. Practice unfeigned faith. So that's one of those words I'm sure y'all would write down there, you know, I don't know what that means. So I got to ask pastor, I got to ask brother Anthony, or I got to ask somebody, what does unfeigned mean? Well, as I read from today from the ESV, it gave us the meaning there. Unfeigned means genuine. It's genuine. Now, Paul refers to Timothy 
and he points out, and he says, I see this example of unfeigned or genuine faith in you. Man, what a compliment. But you know, that is what we all need to be striving to do. To practice genuine faith. It's something that just comes out in every aspect of our lives. You know, you can see pretty quickly when difficulties come, it reveals real soon if a person has genuine faith or if it's just a facade. Playing Christian isn't going to get you very far. We ought to practice genuine faith that transforms every aspect of our life. That's the first thing. The second thing, we need to fan the flame. We're going to return to verse 6 for a second here. We see, again, I'll mention this, Paul referring to that stirring or that stoking the fire. We have been blessed to spend some time in the home of a wonderful couple in our church there in Spain. Their names are Pedro and Sole. It's an older couple. Uh, he's early 80s. She's mid to late 70s. And uh, so we go to their house, and it's chilly. They live kind of a little bit higher up the mountain than we do. And he likes to have a fire in the fireplace. And so their little sitting area is right there pretty close to the fire. And so sometimes I go over there, I have to take me a fan or something, wear some short sleeves because I know it's going to be warm at Pedro and Sole's house. But, you know, every once in a while while we're there visiting and talking, uh, he'll get up and he'll go over and he'll poke at the fire. To get it, you know, flaming good again. Sometimes he'll pull out that bellows and he'll puff that air on it to make that flame get alive again. You know, when you take an ember off by itself, what happens? It goes out. We need to be in the body of Christ. And we need to be in the Word of God, a relationship with Him through Bible reading, through prayer, that is going to fan the flame in us. We don't need to neglect it. We can't think that we got saved whenever that was, and, you know, we're just kind of coasting along now the rest of the time. No! You got to stay in it. You got to keep tending to the fire. You got to fan the flame. But we can also see here the third thing what we need to do share faithful teaching. Throughout the entire chapter, we can see this underlying message that Paul tells Timothy to share the gospel, the testimony of the Lord, 
the sound words and to take care of the precious and good teaching, as it says in verse 14. Let me tell you, folks, this is a teaching that is worthy of our faith. It's a teaching with transformative power. And it's a teaching worth dedicating to your lives to sharing. We ought to be sharing this faithful teaching in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Share the faithful teaching. These are the words of Paul for Timothy, and these are the words of Paul for us today. And I challenge you, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Share that faithful teaching. But you got to remember to fan the flame as well. Stay in the word. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the mission that we are to be about. And it's not just for missionaries. It's not just for evangelists or pastors. This is for every believer. We are all to be sharing that teaching. We should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much. As we've been reminded this morning of the abundance of things that you have given us, Lord. We've just kind of gone through this passage and enumerated several different things, but Truly, there are so many things, Lord, that you have blessed us with. And I pray that you would help us remember that. Help us remember and that we would not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That we would not be ashamed of our heavenly Father who's done so much for us, who's given his life for us, and who has called us to share the faithful message. Lord, I pray this morning that you would challenge our hearts. That you would help us to do all that we can to stay in the word. To encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're praying for, their, for them. We're loving on them. Lord, I pray that you would once again light that fire in us and help us to truly have a passion for your word and for the lost. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, for your servant, for your son. Thank you for the pardon that you've given to us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hasn't it been a joy to hear from them this morning? And I'll tell you, there are many reasons why I, I think Brother Anthony is a smart guy, but uh, uh, one thing that I have in common with him, uh, you married well, you married up. Uh, it's uh, their team, and uh, 
that's very evident, and uh, you can see their passion. You've heard their passion this morning. Uh, I would encourage you, if you've got questions uh, that you have for them, they are going to be at their table in the lobby, all right? I would encourage you to swing by and uh, uh, grab their information, ask questions. If you've got questions about their ministry or, or, or uh, questions about uh, uh, needs that they might have, if you want to uh, talk about uh, uh, the ministry, what, what their plan is uh, for church planting, uh, I would just encourage you to swing by there, uh, if you want to swap recipes, I'm sure, I'm sure Lee's got some good recipes, all right? But just swing by their table and visit with them. Uh, you can also get information if, you, if you've been led to the Lord this morning to, uh, to set up a recurring gift. Uh, again, the QR code, or you can swing by. I know uh, Anthony and Lee have their uh, cards back there, and you can, uh, you can sign up. We always have their uh, their giving cards uh, in our missions area in the hallway between uh, the two wings. You can swing by there anytime and get one of those. But uh, today's a great day to sign up. Uh, you get to shake their hand and uh, and pray with them, pray for them, uh, sign up to to give to their ministry. Uh, we are going to receive an offering this morning. Uh, let's see, Brother Danny and uh, Brother Nelson, uh, would you would you come, Nelson, and help with our offering this morning? We're going to uh, we're going to receive an offering. Uh, if you again a one-time gift, uh, you can drop it in here. If you're writing a check this morning, you want to make the check to uh, Collin Creek Church and uh, uh, just specify in the memo line uh, that uh, that uh, you can write missions uh, or you can write Edgeman on there. Uh, you can write it on there, and then we'll get a uh, we'll get a check uh, for them. Um, if you're if you're dropping cash in, uh, we'll, we'll we'll accept that as well. All right, let's pray. Father, what a joy it's been, Lord, to hear from your servants today, uh, who have shared with us uh, all that you're doing uh, in Spain, uh, what you're doing in their lives and in their ministry. Thankful for the word that we've heard today, the encouragement of your word that we've received today. This is our mission, God, that you've called us to. That is the ministry of the word. That is the ministry of the gospel. God, today I pray as your people prepare to give uh, towards the work of the gospel. Lord, that you would bless each gift, bless the givers, bless those today who aren't able to give. And that they might realize, God, that uh, though they can't give of their wealth, they can give of their time in prayer. Uh, because prayer is encouraging. It's encouraging to know uh, that there are people all around the world uh, who are agreeing together in prayer on your behalf. And so, Father, I pray your blessings on your people today on, upon the Edgements and their work in Spain. In Jesus' name, amen. While they're taking up an offering, we have a special uh, closing song. It is an original. Byron, take it away. The song is called Morning Prayer, <coughs> and it is. And it's actually an answer to
Stand with me, will you? The Edgemans will be at their table. It's been a great place to be, amen? And now, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Go, pierce the darkness, break chains of despair, move some mountains, be the church, and make it a great week. God bless you.